Well, good morning. Welcome to Oak Ridge Community Church. Glad you guys are here this morning. Trust you're awake now, if you weren't before. If you're joining us here in the auditorium, welcome. If you're joining us by remote, welcome. If you're joining us because you've checked into our message archive in the days, weeks, or months ahead, welcome. We're glad that you can be here with us and you can worship. Today we're going to be continuing our series in the book of John. Today we'll be looking at John chapters 14 through 16 and talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how He impacts our relationship with God. So many years ago, nearly 30 years ago in fact, um, my first job out of college, um, I started dating the lovely Shirley and I found out that I had an assignment to go to Morocco, which is also in Africa, kids. And uh, I was going to be gone for many months. I actually didn't even know how long I was going to be gone. And we just, Shirley and I had just started dating, and, uh, and I was sad, and she was sad. And, uh, and she gave me, as a token of her affection, she gave me this lock of hair, which I've kept all these years in my keepsake memento. And uh, this, this lock of hair was a precious gift from her to me, and it was a reminder of the fact that she loved me and the fact that she was special to me and the fact that there is something for me to, be, to remember her by. And we're going to talk a little bit about, about how, some, how this gift that she gave me compares to what, to what Jesus and the Father gave to us as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a m- reminder. He's a memento. He's much more than that. And we're going to talk about that this morning. This gift from my sweetheart just scratches the surface of what it means in our, our experience with the Holy Spirit. So before we dive into the passage, I just want to talk a little bit about a little context of where we're at in our, in our message. So our context, um, we are in the book of John. Our series is going through looking at the I am statements of Jesus, the red letter statements of Jesus, who he says he is, what it reveals about him, and what it reveals about his relationship with us. I hope that you are reading along in the book of John. I mean, we've been here for a couple of months now. Uh, we'll be finishing up in a couple of weeks. And it, the, reading through the book of John over, over this course is a good way to keep up with the series. I trust that you'll take time to read cha- John chapters 14 through 16 uh, today or tomorrow or the next couple of days. Um, the other thing is, in, in the life of Jesus, where we're at now, these chapters, this is Holy Week. And Holy Week means the week before Easter. So when Jesus is giving, his, he's giving these instructions to his disciples... He's already entered Jerusalem. He's already cleansed the temple. In fact, they've already had the Last Supper. And these are the last few hours that Jesus is with his disciples giving them instruction. Believe it or not, next week is Palm Sunday. And the week after that is Easter. So as we focus on these five or six chapters in the, in the, in the middle of John, it's an opportunity for us to prepare our hearts and get ready for Palm Sunday and Easter ourselves. And last but not least, it's like they, these chapters are detailed instructions, page after page after page of red letters in your Bible, if your Bible has red letters. But these are page after page after page of Jesus' instructions to his disciples about his relationship with them and the Father's relationship with him and with them as a result, too. So let's pay special 
attention to these words, and let's meditate on them as time goes by. So, on we go to John chapter 14. Oh, we have bonus doctrine content is unlocked. You've made it through two and a half months of a sermon series, and you have unlocked bonus doctrine content. So one of the things we're going to talk about before we get to talking about the Holy Spirit is we're going to talk a little bit about the Trinity, because the Trinity is an important core doctrine of our faith. So as Christians, we believe certain things which are founded on the Bible, founded on Scripture. Some of the most important things that we believe as believers, one, is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's risen from the dead, he's resurrected. It's the core tenet of our faith. We also believe in the Scripture, is our authority and how we understand God. We believe in God. We believe that Jesus, we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And one of the other core doctrines that we believe, one of the things that distinguishes Christianity is the doctrine of the Trinity. And so rather than me try to come up with a clever um, analogy, I'm going, I am very fortunate because I'm going to be able to rely on the words of Jesus himself, starting in John chapter 14, and he is going to describe to us what the Trinity is. So in John, if you will, if you will open with me in your, in your Bibles. John chapter 14, verse 23. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. We will come. Here Jesus is describing his unity with the Father. Next. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me, and remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. Jesus is drawing a distinction between the Father. He just talked about the unity between him and the Father. We will come. And now he's talking about a distinction between him and the Father. The Father sins and Jesus goes. And when the, Verse 26, When the Father sins, the Advocate is my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit. And this is something new. This is something new that Jesus is expounding on in the Holy Spirit, giving them information and revelation that they've never had before. This is a new way that the disciples are going to be experiencing God. And he's telling us how the Holy Spirit will be sent, that the Father will send him. It's interesting to me as I read these things, this is not a formula, it's not an equation. Sometimes I'm an engineer and I want things to be laid out. Jesus is not giving us an equation about what the Trinity is. He's describing the Trinity. He's describing his relationship with the Father. He's describing his relationship with the Holy Spirit. He describes in these three verses, he describes his unity with the Father. He also emphasizes that there's a distinction between him and the Father. And then now he's introducing the fact that the Holy Spirit is going to be part of this conversation. When we try to find ways to talk about and think about the Trinity I'm very comforted that we can use the words of Jesus himself as he is describing what the Trinity is. So let's take a look at this verse from a slightly different angle. Same verse, John 14, 26, the role of the Holy Spirit. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. These, there's three, these are three words to describe the role of the Holy Spirit. And there's more that we're going to see here in a little bit. But this verse has three of his roles. Advocate, 
teacher and a reminder. I'm going to, I'd like to take a moment to unpack a little bit the word advocate, if you don't mind. The word advocate, depending on what translation you're reading, you might see it displayed as comforter. You might see it displayed as intercessor or helper. Um, and the Greek word for this that's translated is parakletos. And if you have a picture of a parrot sitting on your shoulder telling you to read the word and obey God, I won't discourage you from remembering it that way. But obviously he's more than a parrot. Parakletos. Now, I'm not an expert in the, in the Greek, um, but there are certain times that it pays to understand the depth of the Greek words which are translated for us, where they come from the Greek and where they end up in the English. Parakletos is a word that we would benefit from understanding in depth. So I've borrowed from a definition here, which I'm going to share with you. This is from Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary. Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary. Parakletos means called to one side, to one's aid, as primarily a verbal adjective and suggests the capability or adaptability for giving aid. It was used in a court of justice to denote a legal assistant, a counsel for the defense, an advocate, then generally one who pleads another's cause, an intercessor, an advocate, as in 1 John 2.1 of the Lord Jesus. In the widest sense, it signifies someone who provides succor and a comforter. Christ was of the same sort, in the, in the Greek text, it says he's of the same sort of comforter. He's the same sort as Jesus, not a different sort. Jesus calls him the comforter or the counselor. And it, this corresponds to the name Menahim, which is given by the Hebrews to Messiah. Very deep, meaningful word. I encourage you to spend some time thinking about it. And when I, think, when I, think, when I contrast this lovely gift that my dear sweetheart at the time, then my fiancé, and then my wife gave to me. This was a token. But this was a material object that she gave to me. And I contrast that to the active, the active assistance here, giving aid. One who pleads another's cause. Someone who reminds you of the presence, someone who brings things to mind. I can look at this and remember Shirley and remember our relationship, but the Holy Spirit is a gift to us who speaks to our heart through the Word of God and changes our life. The Spirit is living. He interacts with us. Let's read the next scripture together. I mean, you don't read. I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. But I will send you the Advocate, this is John chapter 15, so you skip ahead a chapter to the end of John chapter 15. I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you've been, given, because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me and you must also testify about me. John chapter 15, last week Brian Racer did a great job talking to us and, and sharing with us Scripture, Jesus' word about abiding and bearing fruit and what, practical, and what it practically means for us to abide and what it practically means for us to bear fruit. And towards the end of this chapter, Jesus gets to application himself too. 
He says the purpose of, he reminds us, the purpose of abiding is bearing fruit. And bearing fruit, among other things, also involves testifying about him. One of the key factors, one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit is that he testifies to, about God. And we participate in that, testi- in that testifying. The Spirit testifies, we testify. Spirit testifies through us. Thankfully, we don't have to do this by ourselves. The Spirit is there with us to do this. We'll continue reading here in John chapter 16. The first seven verses are a prophecy by Jesus about persecution. And this comes immediately following the statement that the Holy Spirit will testify. So John chapter 16, verse 1. I've told you, Jesus is speaking, I've told you these things so you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they've never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking me, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But the fact is, it's best for you if I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Did you notice that? If I don't go away, the advocate won't come. What did I say earlier? This is something new that Jesus is introducing to his disciples and through them to us and the rest of the church. Something new is about to happen. A new covenant Within hours, a new covenant is going to be ratified by God when Jesus suffers on the cross. And 40 short days after that, the Holy Spirit is going to be given as a gift to the church. Now, did the Holy Spirit exist before this? He said the advocate won't come. Did the Holy Spirit exist before Jesus spoke these words? Yes, he did. The Holy Spirit existed. He is God. He's the third person of the Godhead. He existed from eternity. But was he with the believers in the same way before this point, before Pentecost. No, he was not. It was something different. Jesus said, also something else you notice here, Jesus said, I will send, if I do go away, I will send him to you. The previous verse, one of the other verses we read before, says the Father will send. The Father will send. Jesus will send. Again, This is a demonstration of Jesus' unity with the Father, the unity within the Godhood. John 16, 8. Another role for the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking. When He comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Another role for the Holy Spirit is conviction of sin, conviction of God's character of righteousness, and a conviction of of judgment. So an interesting thing here, Jesus is promising what for the believers? One word. Give me a word. Conviction. Conviction, right. But earlier it said that he was providing comfort for the believers. And he's providing what for unbelievers? Conviction. Interesting. Interesting. Comfort for, comfort for the believers, but conviction of sin for those who don't believe. Now, I will admit, 
there's more than a, a few times that I am also convicted of my sin. And you may be, surprisingly, convicted of your sin as well. You know what that is? You know what that conviction is? That conviction is a gift from God. You speak into your heart. Now, I don't want you to dwell on it. I don't want you to wallow in it. I don't want you to be crushed by it. But when our heart is twinged, when we know that we've done something wrong, it is a gift from God. It is a blessing. It is God speaking to our heart. It's Him bringing to mind what He showed us through His Word and through His Spirit and through the community of believers we have. Do not force it away from yourself. Do not reject it. Do not suppress it. Do not deny it. It is a gift from God, that conviction of sin. Listen to what He's saying. Respond to it. Receive the forgiveness that He offers through Jesus Christ, and that conviction becomes comfort. Both of these things are necessary. And if you notice, it says one of the first things the Spirit does, He testifies of God. He testifies of God. And one of the first effects, Jesus said, the Spirit testifies, and then you'll experience persecution, and then the Holy Spirit will convict of sin. One of the first missions of the Holy Spirit in our life and in the world around us is a conviction of sin, a conviction of God's character of righteousness, and a conviction of judgment to come. We are grateful. I am so grateful that sin and judgment are not the final statements from God, but they wake me up. They make me aware of my need. They make me aware of my need. And then He graciously provides the comfort, the peace, the cleansing that comes after that. John 16, 9. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Jesus says the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. What an incredible standalone verse. This sin is the real problem that the world faces today. The world's sin. Were there social issues in the Roman Empire? You bet there were. Were there sin and injustice, and catastrophe, greed, and lust, destruction, and murder? You bet there were. How about in our world? Can you, what if you were to apply this to our world today? The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Are there, are there, is there, is there, are there problems in our world? Are there injustices? Is there violence? Is there repression? Is there hatred? Is there division? Is there anger? I'm talking about myself. What's in my heart, much less in the hearts of the people around me, in the hearts of our society. Jesus said the world's sin is not these things, but first and foremost, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. This truth, it does two things. It adds urgency to the mission we have to testify of His grace, and thank God it adds simplicity to our message. Our message is one of salvation. Our message is one of reconciliation. Our message is one to promote the name of Jesus Christ, the fact that He is the Lord, the fact that He died, the fact that He rose again, the fact that He offers life 
to you and the people around us. It's simple. I don't have to solve the world's problems. You don't have to solve the world's problems. You need to stay focused on Jesus and the fact that the world needs him. John 16, 10 and 11. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Judged. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Do you see the transaction that's happening here? Jesus is formalizing this. The final steps are being taken for the new covenant to take, to take effect. Jesus goes to the Father. He sends the Spirit. The Spirit convicts of sin. Righteousness comes by faith. It's very simple. Jesus goes, the Spirit comes, the Spirit convicts. Righteousness is available through faith as we, as His servants, proclaim the good news. John 16, 12. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He's heard. He will tell you about the future. John 16, 13. Another role for the Spirit there is the fact that He will guide. And then finally, John 16, 14. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. He will bring me glory. As always, God's purposes are about His glory. The sending, the suffering, the convicting, the gift of righteousness. It's all about the glory of God. It's the glory of the Father. God rightly glorifies Himself as He sends the Son, as He sends the Spirit, as He works through, as He testifies to His truth and His gospel through us. These things glorify Him. That's the most important thing. So let's recap some of the things that we've seen here about the Holy Spirit. Roles of the Holy Spirit that we've seen in, this, in these passages. He's a teacher. He brings things to remembrance. He's our guide into truth. He's our advocate, which means he's a helper and a comforter. He testifies to God's truth and God's glory through us. He's a convictor of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus, he, in, these, in these three short chapters, he describes the Trinity. He describes his relationship with the Father. He describes the process by which the Holy Spirit, which is something new for the believers, by the process by which the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he describes the role and the relationship of this new aspect of God that is going to be revealed and given to the disciples. These roles, teacher, guide, advocate, testifier, convictor, these are attributes of deity. These are attributes of Godhood, Godhead. But they're different they're different than what we think of when we think of God the Father. They're different than what we think of when we think of Jesus the Son, the second person of the Trinity. But they are attributes of Godhood. They are a revelation of a different manner in which God is going to be interacting with the disciples and with us as well. These are deeply personal ways in which God interacts with us. 
If God feels distant to you sometimes, and He feels distant to all of us at different times, you can remind yourself, these are the words and promises of Jesus. The Spirit, God Himself, will be your teacher. He will be your guide. He will be your comforter. He will testify through you. He will convict not only you, but He will convict the world around you of the sin and of the character of God through you. Pop quiz! Unlocked! Look at that, you guys are lucky. You've unlocked another bonus feature in this sermon. So, who sends the Spirit? Jesus! Such an easy answer. What are some of the roles of the Spirit? Now you guys have got to give me a few words here. Teacher! Comforter! Advocate! Awesome! Guide! Convictor, testifier, yay! Great job. And last but not least, who is the Holy Spirit? He is God, worthy of our worship. He is God. What a gift. You know, there's just so much more. There's so much more we could talk about with this, with this topic and I encourage you to take time to read through these, these chapters in John and maybe jot down some of these other passages which we reference. John 14 and through 16, Acts chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 1, Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Acts 2 talks about, John 14 talks about the person of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 talks about Pentecost and how the Spirit was given. Ephesians 1 talks about how we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and He's a down payment, a promise of eternity. Galatians 5 talks about walking in the Spirit, bearing fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 12 talks about the gift of the Spirit. Far, far from being a mysterious and unknowable part of God, the Holy Spirit is throughout the New Testament. Throughout the New Testament. He's a central aspect of our life with God. These thoughts should whet your appetite to know him more, to read these passages, to understand what it is to walk with him more closely. You know, a lot of times we say to people, I have a relationship with God, or you need a relationship with God, or do you have a relationship with Jesus? These are cliches and churchy language, but this stuff comes from somewhere. Some, these, these cliches, the Christianese or whatever you want to call it, it comes from somewhere. Do you have a relationship with God? That relationship is lived out through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, with the full attributes of deity, interacts with us in these ways of comforting, teaching, testifying. This is how we have intimacy with Christ. And through the Spirit, with the Father as well. So what do we do with all this stuff? What is God's purpose for giving us the Holy Spirit? In Exodus, the, Father, the, the theophany, the burning bush said, I am that I am. God revealed to Moses, I am that I am. Jesus said, I am that I am. God is revealing the fullness of the Trinity to his followers. The Trinity is his explanation to our limited minds about who he is. It displays his nature. The Trinity and the Holy Spirit displays his nature. It displays his relational nature, the love, the unity between the Father and the Son, the effect, the, dynam the dynamics, the power that goes out through Him to us through the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is a means that He proclaims His glory and His gospel to us, starting with us and then continuing to the world around us. It's a way that He provides for us. He cares for us. Jesus says, I won't, I'm, I'm going away. He says, I, I'm preparing a place for you. But He also says, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to provide for you. The Spirit is given to us to provide for us. This is God being a loving Father and a good shepherd to care for us. And of course, this is his means to glorify himself in one other way. So what shall we do? What shall we do with the Holy Spirit? What shall, how shall we respond to God himself? Well, first of all, believe. Jesus said the sin of the world is they don't believe. Repent of that sin, if that's your heart. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Believe that He is Lord and that He rose from the dead. He died for your sins. Respond to the conviction that He gives or may put in your heart. Worship Him as God. Worship the Holy Spirit as God. He is God. He is with us. Listen to Him. He says He's our guide. He's our teacher. He's our reminder. Not just the conviction of sin, but there's good things He brings to our mind too. It can be a verse that we read we read recently. It can be an impulse to give or serve or love or sacrifice or even suffer on His behalf. Listen to Him when He speaks to you. And, and obey Him. Try to be quick to obey I'm just going to reiterate something that Brian shared last week, which I thought was really good. Is be patient with yourself. This is a marathon, not a sprint. We all are at different spots in our walk, and we grow. You learn to hear His voice as you listen to what He's saying. You learn these things. So don't crush yourself. Don't be too harsh on yourself. If you stumble and fall, get up, listen again, and go forward again. Allow yourself to grow. Allow yourself to breathe. But listen and obey when He speaks to you. And last but not least, I encourage you, receive the comfort that He offers. Don't be, don't be inconsolable. He's offering this comfort. He's offering this peace. He's offering the testimony through you receive. You know, sometimes if you're feeling discouraged, it feels good to have someone come and put their arm around you or say, how are you doing? And sometimes you're like, leave me alone. Fine. If you need to get that out of your system, get it out of your system. But allow him to come alongside of you. Allow him to comfort you. Allow him to equip you. Allow him to enjoy the relationship that he has with you. So we're going to take a moment and pray right now. We're going to take a few moments of silent prayer to start off with. I'd like you to meditate. Maybe there's something, maybe there's something uh, that the Lord's convicted you of that you need to repent of. Maybe you know that you need to believe in Jesus Christ and the fact that He rose from the dead and that He loves you and is offering you forgiveness. Maybe there's a role of, of the Holy Spirit that you haven't thought about recently or there's something you need. I need comfort. God, I need comfort. <laughs> I need uh, guidance. I encourage you to let him speak to you. So we'll just take a few moments of silence and then I'll close. Holy Spirit, we, um, we, we recognize you as God. 
I bow my heart before you. I welcome you into my life. I ask that you speak. Lord, you speak. You do speak. Teach me to listen. Teach me to obey. Teach me to obey in joy and not under compulsion. Teach me to rejoice as you comfort my heart. Teach me to rejoice as you testify through me. Teach me to rejoice as you show me what it means to abide in Jesus Christ. Teach me to rejoice as you bear fruit in me. Teach me to know you in an ever more personal manner. Thank you for my Thank you for the folks that are with with me here today. I pray our hearts would be fully surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen.